Okay, so this is the third part of the Let's Begin at the Beginning. Go to the end, then stop. This is called The Mark of Cain. But before that, I want to start with some jokes, just to lighten it, because we are streaming on Facebook here, which is very unusual. So, first joke is, one day a little girl was sitting and watching her mother do the dishes at the sink. Suddenly, she noticed that her mother had several strands of white hair sticking out in contrast to her brunette hair. So she looks at her mother very inquisitively, says, Why are there white hairs, Mom? Well, every time you do something wrong or make me cry or unhappy, one of my hairs turns white, the mother replied. The little girl thought about it, thought about it, and she started smiling. She goes, So, Mom, uh, how come Grandma has all that uh, white hair? And then, <laughs> our next one is, I figure with all the political turmoil, I'll do one that just kind of edges on maybe what some people think about stuff like this. It's more about school than it is politics, but a young woman, a teacher, with an obvious liberal tendencies and bent to her cla classroom etiquette and teaching, explains to her class of small children, elementary school children, that she is an atheist. She asks her class if they know what an atheist is, or if any of them are an atheist. Not really knowing what an atheist is, nobody really, and not wanting to disappoint their teacher, a bunch of hands explode up into the air. Suddenly, she noticed there's just one exception. A girl named Lucy doesn't have her hand up. The teacher asks her why she has decided to be different. She said, because I'm not an atheist. Then asks the teacher, what are you? She said, well, I'm a Christian. Teacher is a little perturbed by this, and she makes her face, you know, munched up. She says, Lucy, why are you a Christian? She goes, well, I was brought up knowing about and loving Jesus. And my mom is a Christian, and my dad is a Christian. So I'm a Christian. And the teacher got real angry and said, well, that's no reason. That's a stupid reason. What if your mom was a moron and your dad was a moron? Then what would you be? After a smile and a little giggle, Lucy said, Well, I guess I'd be an atheist then. You do have a point. <laughs> okay, and with that, we are going to go. And then I, I, the reason why I picked that one too is because there's a big thing about, again, can you trust the beginning of the Bible? Yes, we, I believe the entire book of Genesis is true. And factual. I, I, like I went through in the first week, what exactly does creation look like? I, I can draw you a picture, and I guarantee you can draw me a picture, and it'll look different. But I believe everything in here is accurate, and it's what it looked like. Now, what does it? It's exactly what happened. Exactly what does that look like? I can't tell you because I'm human. You're human. None of us really know. So anyways, we are going to start, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. This is the mark of Cain. The first thing we're going to do is read the scripture, the entire chapter, and then I'm going to go over it. So, starting in the first verse, it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. 
And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel, the word there is looked upon, Abel, and his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect, says he wouldn't look upon it. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, Why hast thou, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. And now art, now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto her, her, you her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I hide and be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that finds me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and dwelt in the land of Nod, that is the word nothing in Hebrew, on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city, and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Arad begot Methuhiel, and Methuhiel begot Methusiel, and Methusiel begot Lamach, and Lamach took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other Zillah, and Ada bare Jabel. He was the father of such that dwell in tents, and of such that have cattle, and his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. And Zillah also bare Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every artificer of brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. And Lamach said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamach, hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamach seventy and sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare him a son, and called his name Seth. For God said, She hath appointed me another seed. For God said she, He hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. When he then he began men to call upon the name of the Lord.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for us coming together in your house. May you <clears throat> quiet my mind, quiet uh, just everything around that I'll be able to be direct and concise and to the point, and my words will find their place in the hearts of those who are listening. I ask that you will guide and direct me and all those who hear this, that we will take from this what you intend, and we will come out of this as better people and more in line with the heart of you and your mind and knowing what you want and what you have in store for us. We ask for all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, one of the craziest things, I think, personally, based on what we just read, is that there is a thing called the Seed of the Serpent Doctrine. And that's almost as is ridiculous as the seed of, of Cain, um, this doctrine. However, the, the serpent's seed, or the seed of the serpent doctrine, so in, is complete hogwash. It's just made up. What it is, is the text says that Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I had begotten a man from the Lord. Okay, what happens is you have people who, abusing the the language here and the wording here, they will claim that because she says, I have gotten a man from the Lord, she's saying that the, the Lord is somehow Satan. She had sex with Satan and begat Cain. And then it, where it says, and again, she bare her brother Abel. That, that Abel is of Adam. And so now all of a sudden you have Cain, which he is generally shown as having... You know, like nice colored. You know, Cain is having dark hair and dark eyes and dark features. You know, and and, and Abel is blonde hair, blue eyed, and beautiful, and all this stuff. And they, they oh, there's the seed of ser- you know, the serpent seed, and all this. And what it is, it's trying to explain why sin got so bad, and what happened here, especially with the line in chapter three, where it says that you know her seed will be will bruise his head, and his seed, the serpent seed will be against her on a bruiser's heel and all this. It's ridiculous because just read it. It says, and Adam knew his wife, Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. So Adam knew his wife. And even that, she had gotten, she says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Okay, Lord is in all caps there, L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh. That is the sacred name. That's the sacred name. So she is saying, as many mothers do, God gave me a child. That's what she's saying. Yahweh gave me a child. She's not making some, oh, you know, veiled thing about having sex with Satan. That's Yahweh. She wouldn't mistake Yahweh God with an angel. She knows the difference. She lived with him in a garden. And if you listened to me last year... I, I think they lived for years. It was a long time, 80, 90 years in the garden. So she knows the difference. And the other thing is, is that the two are twins. It says, and she again bare his brother Abel. That's a tough rendering, but it's accurate. But the concept is, is and she again, bare, meaning now in Hebrew, I would if I were translating it from Hebrew, I would probably make it. And she continued because that's what the word really kind of means she continued and gave birth but even that and again she bare 
his brother Abel, means they were twins. So there's no reason to believe they look any different. There's no reason to to believe there was any difference between the two of them. Again, some of the images you'll see show, or most of them, show Abel as being this handsome, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, light-skinned man. And Cain is a black-haired, brown-eyed, dark, rough man. This, this really, all that is, is that's a modern construct looking back at medieval art. See, they did that to make the two easily identifiable. So you can determine who is who. It could have been either way, but because dark, generally, you know, dark arts, ooh, the bad side, they made Cain dark features. They both probably were very dark. I mean, I, I've looked at all kinds of stuff. There's a good chance they were mocha skinned. All of, all of Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, Seth. They were probably dark. There's no reason to believe they didn't look identical. And that's the point. That's honestly the point, is that they're twins. There's no reason for there to be any difference about them except what? They're people. And so one chose one thing and the other chose the other. One chose her sheep. And obviously they were eating it because he said it takes the fat of the firstling. So he had to kill the first flock and take the fat out. He didn't do the meat. He just did the fat. So obviously he one decided to do sheep and the other one decided to, to, to garden and be a tiller of the ground. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. And the two, they're just different personalities. Different personalities. That's all it's pointing out. And in every way, they should be identical. But that's just like every na- in nature. You will see people in the same family, the same upbringing. And they're turning out two co- totally different ways. But so we continue to read. And it says, And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstling of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord, Yahweh, had respect. And this, again, in Hebrew, that's the word looked upon. It says, you know, that he looked upon his offering, Abel's offering, but unto Cain's and his offering, he had not respect. I mean, he didn't look upon it. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The word here, again, is shaha, or sa means to look upon. It means he didn't like it. Scripture does not tell us why he didn't like it. There, there's The next verse gives us some hints, but doesn't give us exact, tell us exactly why. And this next sixth verse says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? So God's asking him, Okay, what's the problem? So evidently God doesn't see that this should be an issue. Seven, if thou doest well, shalt thou be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Okay, what's he saying? He's saying, evidently God is, he's giving you a hint here. God gave him instructions, and he didn't follow them. It doesn't tell us what those instructions are, because I don't think it's important. Because if it did, people start worshiping the instructions and claiming we had to do the same thing. But at the same time, God obviously gave him instructions because he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do, do what's beautiful, will you not be accepted? Again, the, the the crazy thing is God wasn't overly upset. It's not like God was chastising him. He just says you know, to him, if you do well. And, and the thing is, is 
it even says, you know, like, Tataib Yatab, which is to be good, to do well, to be glad, to be pleasing, to make things right, to be beautiful, to make things beautiful. He, so he's asking him, why do you look sad? Do what is beautiful. Literally, it literally actually, it, it comes from the term word to sound beautiful. Do what sounds beautiful. So obviously he was told what to do and he didn't do it. Cain wanted to do his own thing instead of what God told him. And so Cain was upset that God wasn't going to accept him doing his own thing. That God wanted him to follow what God wanted. He was stubborn. So then it continues on and it says, it says, Sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Okay, so again, saying, Hatat, a sinful thing. That's a sinful thing. Hatat. Robes lies and wait. That's actually the concept for laying, stretching oneself out on a couch to wait. When you're, when you're waiting for someone to come and you actually stretch out because you're not worried very much for it. So he's saying, you know, he's saying it lies. And then, which it means on there, it's, it's saying that for you, he wants you. So he's waiting for you. And it says, Tesu Kelato. Tesu This is longing. Now, I don't know if you remember last week, anybody who was there for last week, which wasn't many, remember that is the term for desire. That's the same term it used for Eve when it says she saw the fruit, that it was desirous. It was good to eat and she desired it. Pleasing to the eye, desirous. It says that sin desires. To overtake him. A thing, a sinful thing is waiting to pounce on him. Well, we know what that sinful thing is because he does it. But again, this is the point. It's it's in his own heart. This isn't even though as though Satan is doing anything. This is in Cain's own heart. He he's angry. He's being stubborn. He doesn't want to do what he's been told. Now, here's the thing. It's also crazy is that, you know, in Genesis 3.16, uh, the same word there where it says, um, te, it's tesu kato, which is to, to longing, to lust, desire. It says that Eve's will want, you know, her, her desire will be for her husband. The exact wording saying, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, which, you know. Again, I said he. I explained last week. That means he'll have she'll she'll have sorrow for her children. It says, "And thy conception, and sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy and thy desire shall be unto thy husband, and he shall rule over thee." So again, the curse here is not the having children and not the pain. The curse is that she will have desire for her. She wants her husband. To live with her in love and kindness, to be an umbrella to her. But instead, what does it say? He will rule over her. He will not give her what she wants. The man will not be good enough. The man will never fill the void that she's looking for. She will desire and long for his companionship and for his, his loving care. And instead, he's going to rule over her as if he owns her. That 
pretty much describes the relationship between men and women in a, in a sense. So the thing is, is again, in, in, if we go back to chapter four in, in that, in the seventh verse, it says that, and thou shalt, and thou shalt rule over him. Meaning if you do what is beautiful, if you do what is right, then you will take dominion over the sin. You will stop the sin where it's at. If you do what God told you, the sin will not have power. You'll have power over the sin. That's as simple as it gets. This is not saying Satan is working or the seed of the serpent is somehow working. No, this is us. This is people. What have I said about Cain so far that doesn't describe people every day? All over. You, me. I want to I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do what God wants to do. And I fight him. So guess what? Sin is just crouching, waiting for that chance for me to do that bad sin. You fight God. And it's just waiting. And that thing is there. And it just, you, you do it. And now all of a sudden you've sinned and it's a grievous sin. But if you listen to God, you can have dominion over that sin. So what is Yahweh telling Cain? You need to do the right thing or else a sinful action is waiting. And its desire is to take dominion over you and rule your life, ruin your life. But you can rule over it if you just do what's right. Just just listen. Don't be bullheaded and do what's right. This is not Satan tempting. This is not desire as in sex. This is internal strife. Of a man fighting, well, does he do what God says, or does he do his own thing? So we see what happens. And Cain talked with his brother Abel, Abel's brother, and it came to pass. Now, there was a weird thing in the Hebrew. There's actually a cutoff sentence here. So something was cut out. And I do believe that the Bible was edited. I believe that God sent someone through, and they edited out parts. There's something missing here in the Hebrew. It literally stops, cuts off in the middle of the sentence. And then picks up again with them already being out. It says, so it basically says he invited him to the, out to the field for a reason. And they, and there's something missing. And then it says that, you know, it came to pass that as they're out in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel's brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where's Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? By the way, yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I used to say it to my dad. I'd say, he'd say, where's your brother? I'd say, am I my brother's keeper? And if he didn't say yes, I wouldn't tell him. And if he said yes, I would tell him. I'd say, okay, he's in the, wherever, he's in the other room. But so are you brother's keeper? Yes. But so, and he said, God said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth. The word here. You know, it's, you know, it's from the land, you know, Ha'adama, Ha'adama, which Adam came from the earth, Adama, earth, the land. But he's cursed from this land, meaning where they're living, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood and from thy land. When thou tillest the ground, thou will not walk, thou will not henceforth yield unto her her strength, meaning she's going to be out in the middle of the desert. Have you ever tried farming in the desert? It doesn't work like farming in dirt. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And so what do we see? 
Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the land of the earth, from the face of the land, the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that finds me shall slay me. So I think people say, who's going to slay him? Who's going to slay him? Is there other people? <laughs> yes. Adam and Eve had like 30 kids, at the very least. I mean, if you think about it, just just do the math. First of all, the Jewish people have all kinds of different numbers and theories on how many they have. But just do the math. If they started having children at, like like the other chi- the other people, it says that such such lived in at 130, had kids and lived for 900 years. If, if they're like 20-year-olds when they're 100 and they start having kids, and they have one child every two or three years for a hundred years. <laughs> that's a lot of kids. And by, especially by this time, because if Cain's old enough to know better, they've probably got, this is probably 30 or 40 years, 50 years that Cain is 50 years old or something, 30 years old, whatever. If it's 30, it's still 15. So what's going on? He's saying, listen, if my brothers see that I've killed Abel, they're going to come after me. They're going to they're gonna ex- try to expunge me from the land. And, and so that's who it is. It's his brothers. He was married to his sister, and his brothers would avenge the death of Abel. Is that sick? Yes, but I mean, they were more perfect people back then, so the DNA was not as diluted as it is today. But so, here's where the, whole, the mark of Cain comes from, though. And behold, and, and it says about the... You know, if anybody finds me, they will slay me. 15. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slays Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Okay. The Mark of Cain. There's actually a book that I believe it's even called The Mark of Cain that explains this is from this point there is an evil race of men of Cain. And they're, you know, they're, they're the seed of Cain or the Enoch of Cain or whatever. And, and then there's the godly sons of Adam or Seth that continue on. Like the Mormons actually use this as a point to make that, that black people were black because of a mark. I mean, racist Baptists back in the 1800s used to claim that they taught this, that black people came from this because they were cursed because of their forefather. And this is why interracial marriage could be forbidden. It's weird because they did both that and Ham, which they say Ham, of course, went to Egypt. So he's a black man. And because he was cursed, Canaan was cursed later on. That was just racism. That's pure and utter racism. There's no difference. Black people are not cursed more than anybody else because of whatever. Notice what it says here. Read the text. That's why I always tell people, read the Bible. Just read it. What does it say? 15, and the Lord said unto him, therefore, whosoever slains Cain, vengeance shall be upon him sevenfold. So if you killed Cain, God was going to take wrath on you. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. He put the mark on him as a protection. Notice the mark is for protection. Oat, it's mark, a sign. It's a sign on him. It's used as a sign. This is a sign of the covenant. Ezekiel 9, 4. 
He tells people, think about this, Ezekiel 9.4, we're not going to go there because I don't want to spend the time on it right now, but go there sometime and read. He tells, there's, there's, they're talking about this horrible bloodbath that's going to happen in, in, in Jerusalem, or that happened in Jerusalem, that, that Ezekiel's seeing in this vision, and suddenly God gives a guy with a, a mark, this, this, it's a horn that you can write with, and he says, go put a mark on the head of all the ones that are mine. That way, nobody who kill will be able to kill them. They'll be protected. Revelation 7.3, God marks the 144,000 so that they cannot be hurt by anything that, that Satan or the Antichrist or the beast or anything does. Right? Nobody can harm them because they have a mark. This mark is a sign of protection. It is not a curse. A matter of fact, it says anybody who kills Cain will be cursed themselves. They'll avenge it sevenfold. So God is protecting him. We see the first ever time where God literally, think about this. If God is so bad on, oh, somebody killed them, they have to be murdered themselves. You know, they have to be expunged. God just let Cain go. And not only did he let him go, he said here, if anybody hurts you or kills you, I'm going to take vengeance upon them. That's, uh, that doesn't really sound like God was putting a mark on them to make them black so you'd know that not to mate with them. And it doesn't exactly sound as though there's some, ooh, the mark of Cain, and ooh, it's this new evil thing. God was protecting them, him. God was protecting him. And I want to just point out really quick, the reason why the mark of Cain doesn't matter, doesn't matter. It does not matter. Now, some people like to point that out because they like to say, we're not there yet, and I don't like to go ahead of when we're not there yet. But in Genesis 6, it talks about the daughter, the, the daughters of men mating with the sons of God. And it's, oh, the sons of God are Seth's sons and children, and the daughters of, of man are, are Cain's. No, that's ridiculous. No. First of all, it's exactly what it says in there. The other thing is, even if that's the case, okay, that's fine. That's what's happened. That, it's this whole bad thing. There was a flood. There was a flood that stopped it. So even if there was a race of Cainites who was out there just being horrible and monstrous, they died in the flood. It's over. The flood makes it very clear that that stopped. That's done. There's not Cainites. There's no, none of that. Anybody wants to know, oh, you're right. you can't do interracial marriage because of that. No, they're, they are stupid. And you have my permission to tell them they're stupid and, and, and not agree, not listen to anything they have to say because that's stupid. That is pure and utter stupidity. I'm sorry. I mean, after you read that, did you think to yourself, oh, and he said, I'll put a mark upon him. I've actually had people read it and say that. Oh, see, he put a mark upon him. Yeah, lest anyone find him and kill him. So that they will know they're not supposed to kill him. When they see that mark, they know, ooh, I don't kill that guy. Because God will avenge his death sevenfold. That's, that's completely the opposite. It's completely the opposite. We see here, this is the first truly gracious act like this of forgiveness that God ever did. And what does it have to do with? It has to do with putting a mark upon him. By the way, I'd like to point out that et, mark, 
in Hebrew and or in Tav, you know, if you do that, Tav in Hebrew is it's has to do with it's you know Aleph and Tav, you know, Et Aleph and Tav. It almost kind of looks, it would be like an X, like a cross. You put an X on the forehead. So, and this is what he does to the 144,000. Let's go there really, really fast. Just to, let's just go. I want to go to, I'm going to go to Ezekiel 4. Just because I want to, again, I just want to belabor this point. Because I'm, this I'm putting to bed. I'm not even, I don't even talk about this with people because it's ridiculous. But this I'm putting it to bed. So, Ezekiel in chapter 9, and we're going to go and put it on here, and it refers to this. Now, Ezekiel in chapter 9, and this is a, th- a part where we see that it's a destruction of Jerusalem. It's this horrible slaying in Jerusalem, but it says, In the first verse, he cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them to have charge over the city and to draw near every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand as a sword. And one man among them was clothed with linen. Ooh, look at that, different than the rest. With a writer's inkhorn from his, by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. This is where God is. The Holy of Holies. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. Ezekiel is seeing a vision here of how the Holy Spirit and how Christ, the second Trinity, works, protecting people. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. So he's saying all the people who are still worshiping Yahweh, still believe. And to the others he said, In mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young both maid and the little children, and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men, which were before the house, meaning they started at the oldest. And he said unto them, Defile the house, and fill the courts with the slain, go ye forth. And they went forth and slew in the city. And it came to pass, while they were slaying them, And I was left, and I fell upon my face, and I cried, and said, O Lord God, wilt thou destroy all the residue of Israel in thy pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem? Then Then said he unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of blood, and the city full of perversions. For they say, The Lord has forsaken the earth, and the Lord sees not. And as for me also, mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense their way upon their head. And behold, the man clothed with the linen, which had the inkhorn by his side, reported the matter, saying, I have done as thou hast commanded me. See, the inkhorn is, and we're not going to go to the end. We're not going to go to Revelation, but you can go Revelation 7.3 and look up Revelation 7.3. 
Again, they have a mark. The 144,000, they have a mark set on their head. Why? They're protected by God. The mark on the head is a protection of God. Honestly, with this, Cain might be in heaven. We don't know. Believe that. That's odd, right? You never thought about that before. If God's protecting him in the same way he's protecting others that are his, Cain might be in heaven because he may have, I mean, think about it. He cried out to God and said, I'm sorry for what I did. Maybe God forgave him. We don't know. But again, we see here, this is the point. That, that, that the point is, is there's no, there's no seed of Cain. There's no seed of, of, of Satan that Cain was the offspring. That's all bunk. That is all stupid. Anybody who says otherwise, open the Bible and read it and say, okay, tell me in there where it says that. And they will have to lie to get it to say any of that. That is complete junk. Okay, now. We are going to finish off this chapter just because I want to finish it off. Because I do want to point out, though, that the descendants of Cain are not great people. See, it does continue. It says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, which again, Hebrew for nothing, on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, which was his sister, and she conceived and bare Enoch, which, oddly enough, Enoch actually uh, actually means dedication. So, so we don't really know what his name is because it says he built a city and called the name of the city after his son Enoch, meaning he dedicated it to his son. We don't know what the name is, actually. That's probably lost. And said unto Enoch, and unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mahudio. It's supposed to be Jael, but yo. And, and Mahujel begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamach. And Lamach took on him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Here we see the first breaking of the covenant of marriage by man. God said, Adam, take your wife and be with her. Be two of you, be one flesh. And here we see Lamach taking two wives, which he was not supposed to do. So what do we see? We see that they are getting they are getting sinful. They are getting evil dwelling out there. And Adam bore Jabal, who was the father of such that dwell in tents and that have cattle, and his brother was Jubal. It was the father of such that handle harps and organs. And Zillah had Tubalcane, who was the instructor of every artificer of brass and iron. And his, the sister of Tubalcane was Nama. So we see here... That, that they were basically doing a bunch of useless things. They were just, you know, wasting away their lives. They weren't focusing on God. They weren't thinking upon things of God and holy. They were just screwing around, playing music and, you know, building things and doing their thing, just wasting their lives. They were instructors and, and working on things that didn't matter, things of this world. But 23 says, And Lamach said unto his wives, Adda and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamach, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamach seventy and sevenfold. See, he is, he is, he's mocking God. He's saying he's so much better. I want to read to you from Matthew Henry's commentary. Because he does a good job of saying this. He does a very good job. I love Matthew Henry. But Matthew Henry says, One of Cain's wicked descendants is the first 
recorded to have broken the law of marriage. Hitherto, one man had one wife at a time, but Lamech took two. Worldly things are the only things that carnal and wicked men and people set their hearts upon. And they can be most clever and industrious, clever indeed. So it was with this, his descendants of Cain, they worked all manner of tedious and clever, industrious things. Cain, this, Cain was the father of shepherds and the father of musicians and the father of, the, of many things, workers of brass and iron, but not the father of the faithful to God. Not the ones who teach about brass and iron, but don't teach the good knowledge of the Lord. Here are devices how to be rich and how to be mighty and how to be merry and happy, but nothing of God in his fear and service. Present things fill the head of most. Worldly things fill the world, the minds of worldly men. Lamach had enemies whom he had provoked. But he draws a comparison between himself and his ancestor Cain and flatters himself that he is much less criminal than Cain. He is much better person than Cain is. He seems to abuse the patience of God and he mocks God in God's sparing of Cain, believing that he can expect that he may willfully sin and go unpunished. That is the heart of men. That is how people are. This is a story, Cain and Abel is the story of people. It is not some seed of, we don't have to put some old Satan is doing the seed of the serpent to make people evil. No, people are evil. And when left to their own devices, they will be industrious and tedious and make great music and beautiful art, but they'll never think about God. It'll never cross their mind. And in this case, Lamach, knowing all the things, and being such an evil person, he willfully kills somebody. He willfully kills somebody. And then he says, I'm so much better than Cain that God was, God was stupid in, 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 in sparing his life. So if he'd spare Cain's life, this is his great, great grandfather. If he spared his life, he's going to spare mine. He's going to avenge me if somebody hurts me. Mocking the goodness and the grace of God. And so is people. This is the story of people. The more you look at it, the less mystical and, ooh, it's so magical. No, this is people. This is you and this is me. Lest we keep our mind fixed on the things of God, we will do the same things that the descendants of Cain. We will spend our time toiling on things that don't matter. We will spend our time doing things that just don't matter. If we, if we do not continually remind ourselves, if we don't listen to the word of God, we will do the sinful deeds that will put us to shame. And I'm talking to myself here when I say this because there are all kinds of sinful deeds I would love to do that I have to convince myself not to do because they're fun or they're exciting. They feel good. Whatever it is. But if we do not continue to tell ourselves, listen, sin is waiting for us. Our sin, our sin. Not some Satan out there that wants to. Satan is only one man. He can't be messing with all of us. So if you're struggling with sin, you're struggling with yourself. I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with myself. Cain struggled with himself. He was a human. 
He had all the pride. He was a bullheaded person who said, when God told him, do this, he said, I'm going to do whatever I want. And then when God didn't have respect for it, didn't look upon it, he got angry at God, not at himself, for missing the mark, missing and do, not doing the right thing. He got mad at God. How, why would God do this? And then what's he do? He shifts the blame from himself to Abel. And Abel becomes a recipient of his sin. God predicted it. There is a sin there waiting to pounce. You can rule it if you do what's right. And again, what's beautiful? What's beautiful? Well, what is beautiful? The Lord Jesus Christ is beautiful. Think upon the things that are beautiful. What does Paul say? If there's anything that is beauty, anything with merit, think on those. What are the only things he mentions? Heavenly things. Christ, his goodness, God, his mercy and righteousness, but also his justice, which is terrible, that we want to avoid, that we want as many people as possible to avoid. Let's all focus on the beauty of God, that there is a savior, savior and a redeemer who will keep us from the pit. Of that we build ourselves, we dig our own grave, and he's willing to save us from it. Let's bow our today for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for this time. Thank you for writing this book that shows us just the more we think that it's just mystical and mythical and all the the more it just we look at it and we see that it is a mirror shining back on us. May you continue to guide us and direct our paths and may we continue to cleave into you and to draw closer to you to be more like you to to go after your heart to get in touch with you and we can see the world through your eyes eyes of 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 long suffering the pain that you see this world with that you you want what's best may we want what's best may we continue to grow into you and we ask all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>